In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Welcome back, everybody, to a deeply, deeply jet-lagged episode of Not Another True Crime Podcast. I'm Sarah Levine. And I think... Levine, sorry. I think I'm Danny Murphy. I don't know, but wow, they don't lie about clocks being different in different parts of the world. Right. It hits hits different. So you guys know that I was in LA last week and we recorded our episode there um, but Danny, you did a little surprise jaunt out to the West Coast too. It was a surprise to me too because I was just going to Memphis to visit a friend, and then I got invited to the Showtime Yellow Jackets press junket. And holy shit, you're living! I know. And they were like, "Is there any chance you'll be like in LA for this?" And I literally, and you were like, "I was like, boop 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 boop." Oh, I was like, so funny. I'm like gonna be there. <laughs> <laughs> Change some flights around. Uh. Wait, that's amazing. And it, You're like, $1,000 later? Yeah, I'll be there. Can I tell you? Not even. Wow. Because I, I already had a return flight. I was able to change that for the same price. And then my flight back from LAX to New York, because it was a red eye, randomly one way, was very cheap. Yeah, I actually, I had moved my trip around so many times that the Delta agent like on the phone laughed at me. He actually oh. was like, it was so funny because it was complicated, but basically like, I tried to do something and he was like, you know, I'm not judging you, but it's the switch up for me. And I was like, <laughs> you're like, no, please. Okay, five stars at the end of the survey. You're like, also, please judge me because what are the choices I'm making? I know. Well, that's my thing. That's why I like used to, well, I still kind of do. I think if you're flying a short trip domestically, like I ride or die for Southwest because like I am constantly changing my flights, like doing all this crazy shit. And I feel it's always really hard for me to pull the trigger on something I know is like expensive and non-refundable when mm-hmm. you might get a better deal later. So that's why I always do Southwest because like, you know, if that price drops, you can get a refund and then just buy it back oh, and you'll still good. have credit. And most other airlines charge you like an arm and a leg. So oh, I, yeah. know, I just, I love Southwest for for that okay. specifically. But All right. That's good to know. I did not fly them. So I did have some extra Funds charges that comes all around town, but I yeah. mean, it was it was worth a little trip to LA. It was I feel like we had fun out there, even though yeah, we had fun out there. The weather here in New York is better though, and it was sad. Like I think you were in the airport as I was, like not like we like missed each other literally by like half a day, which is very funny. Ugh, I know, but that would have been fun. And I will, and I will say too, because I don't know if and as I literally just said, they did. I was not paid for anything. I paid to do it. If y'all don't watch Yellow Jackets, it sincerely is a really good show. And it is like horror vibe or like spooky vibes, which I feel oh, like are yeah. kind of in line with this. So de- it's actually out. super in line with this because, I mean, you guys would love it. Anybody who likes true crime will love this show because sometimes you need to take a break from true crime and get into some fictional crime. <gasps> but it's and this is not even sponsored, but we should get them to sponsor us because Please. it's about um, this like high school girl soccer team who gets stranded in this like remote woods area after a plane crash, which 
is very relevant for what we're going to talk that, about today. Very relevant. And I'm glad we are doing this after we both landed to our home destinations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Imagine, well, speaking yeah. of that. Oh, yeah. Speaking of that, um, I've gotten some DMs about like the Netflix talk about the Malaysia and flight that went missing. Oh, yeah. So if you guys want us to cover that, let us know. But if you've already watched the doc and you're like, eh, then, you know, let us know or don't. And I'll take your silence as a no. Yes. I'll, we will be like Taylor Swift and never hear silence quite this loud. There we go. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have to do an episode on the Ticketmaster stuff one of these days. Uh, yeah, we do. For, for my own justification, yeah, or my own vindication. But today, okay, you guys, we all know the story of Catch Him If You Can, right? Like Frank Abagnale Jr., he was like the pilot, Leo DiCaprio played him in the movie, et cetera, et cetera, right? You know that story, except you don't. Um, uh-uh. Because I won't even say some new information came out because the gag is that it's actually old information. That's why we love it. But- I think it's it's making its way in the news, I think, because the New York Post just did an article, so shouts out. Um, and I don't know. It's going to challenge everything you thought you knew. Um, and it's a re- this is like a true con. I also wanted to say I got a lot of this info from the New York Post. Abby Ellen wrote that piece. Um, I also read part of the book, The Greatest Hoax on Earth, Catching the Truth While We Can by Alan C. Logan. Um who did a lot of this research. Oh, shout out to you landing then reading. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like speed reading this book. Um, so don't ever say we don't research this podcast. I don't think anybody says I that. I don't think anybody says that. We can show you all the I the the amount of Google Drive space I don't have. If you do question I that, know. I will show you that. I need to start deleting. I know. I feel like I honestly, guys, we do our own research for this podcast. Like we don't have a researcher. No. It's just me speed reading. And Danny Sweetman, uh, so, yeah, or uh, on the BBC box. Yeah, or on the BBC box, or on like the Smithsonian website at 2 a.m. in bed being like, yeah. Yes. So this is this true, I don't know what the equivalent of farm to table is, but eyeballs to, I don't know. That's how you know you were in LA. Here's our farm to table podcast. Seriously. Um, we're talking about the story of Frank Abagnale Jr. and specifically the story that you probably don't know mm-hmm. because I think we all know the narrative that we saw in the Steven Spielberg movie. Um, so Abagnale says that he was born April 27th, 1948 in Bronxville, New York, which is actually a very wealthy uh, area of Westchester, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. But he was actually born in the Bronx. Okay. So a little, a little, uh, you, you know, you remixed it a, a bit. A little remix. He was like, oh, I, I'm from the Bronx. Oh, Ville over there. What? Like, he's <laughs> like, I didn't lie. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, so here's like a, and obviously there's a big caveat alert. So a lot of his bio comes from his memoir, which is called Catch Me If You Can. So you have to take it with a grain of salt. And we're going to try to be kind of debunking it along the way. Spoiler alert. Um, and I, I tried to make it as as least confusing as I could. Um So he was a third of four children born to parents Paulette and Frank Abagnale Sr., which is always interesting to me because, like, I don't know, three kids in, they were like, let's throw a junior in there. Wait, that's why kids go to therapy, because it's like, (laughs) why wasn't I picked? Yeah, right. And they, his parents met in Algiers during World War I, and apparently Paulette was a teenager when they met, which is a yikes, Frank Sr. Good to know. 
they moved to New York after the war, and Frank Sr. started his own business. Frank said in his Frank Jr. now said in his memoir that his dad became involved in Republican local politics sure. and started traveling a lot. And eventually his mom got sick of him never being around, so she left. And mm-hmm. Frank Jr. Anytime I say Frank now, it's Jr. It's Jr. Uh he says he decided to live with his dad and he would like do like not like a ride along because he's not a police officer, but whatever the business equivalent <laughs> of that is at work. Uh, 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 I don't know. A, a political along? I don't know if like the local politics, I guess it's like when you bring like pamphlets, to be, a pamphlet along. Or like whatever, join yeah. your dad at work day. That's yeah. what he'd be doing. And, and you know what? Good for the, good for Paulette for being like, it's like the 60s. I'm good, sir. Goodbye. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, so the, the, uh, when he decided to go, the Franks teamed up. The schemes kind of kicked off really at the get-go <laughs> for our our Frankie boy. Uh, life on the right side of the law was just not, it, it, it wasn't tempting for him. He didn't, there was no part of him that was like, let me check a to-do list. Let me look at the rules and be like, that's what I should do. He was like, how can I live my best life on my own terms? <laughs> I feel like a lot of scammers are like that. Like, I don't want to say it's in their DNA, but I feel like so many of the ones we've covered don't just wake up one day and start scheming. Well, that's what Miley Cyrus said. It's in her DNA. You can't tame her. So <laughs> I, if, I, if I was a lawyer, I would say, Your Honor, it's set in her DNA. <laughs> like, I have, my, I have them come in and like the birdcage. Um, but... Like, yeah, exactly. So it's, but it started off very small, like shoplifting, which I also feel like is just, I never shoplifted, but I know a lot of people like did it as like a way to like feel something back as a kid and like uh, roll yeah. some dice. I you definitely did? know some people too. Oh, okay, yeah. I was always, I, I like woke up afraid of breaking a law or rule. So mm. like, that's like, I came into the womb and I was like, I'm sorry, can I sit here? So I never got the shoplifting. I'm sorry, can I sit here? <laughs> They're like cutting the umbilical cord. I'm like, I'm so sorry, it's messy. So I never shoplifted. <laughs> but Frank Jr. did. But then he kind of upped the ante a little bit and he started running scams on gas stations using his dad's credit card, which... I mean, I, 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 all I know, I don't, like, me and Sarah, we live in, this, we live in uh, walking cities, so I, we yeah, don't. that is an L.A. diss. L.A. diss, so, but that, this is also an L.A., not tip, because it's a scam, but gas station scam, take with it what you will. Um, it kind of was a confusing situation, like, he would buy stuff on his dad's credit card, then convince the gas station attendant to give them part of that sale in cash? Because they'd get a cut of it too. So, I don't know. I just read how it was described on biography.com and was like, I don't even understand how this works, but I'm just going to repeat it. <laughs> I wonder because I wonder if he was just like, hey, you know what? I'm getting uh, this bubble um, this bubble gum. It's like, I don't, I don't even know what it is. Or maybe not bubble gum. This, like, this pack of beer I'm buying then is like $8. What? Who, who's getting this $8? Not you, your company. So why don't you give me four, you four, and we all just walk out of here okay. Maybe something like that. I could see that. Like maybe he was convincing them to overcharge yeah. him and pocket the money. That makes sense. Um, I feel like you really pulled a Frank Abagnale there. I was right. like, okay, hey. I'm, I'm convinced. Hey, what do you say we uh what do you say we just uh make uh, each of our days a little bit brighter? Uh <laughs> <laughs> this scam, like so many scams. 
blew up and in their faces when the dad checked his credit card bill and kind of was like, wait, what? Like, so the dad wasn't in on the scamming. I mean, yeah, this seems like a very short-sighted scam. The end was in sight for this one. There's a lot of times where I can, like, see when scammers are like, oh, I didn't know this was going to happen. They thought they could keep on keep it going for like the long haul. This one, I, I could see that the time, the time limit was, uh, was coming up. Yeah. I, this one, I don't even understand. Cause like, if you're trying to get money from a credit card, like why not just use a credit card? You can take out money using a credit <laughs> card. It's not advised. You'll pay a huge penalty, but like effectively, I feel like you're doing the same thing. That's I don't true. get it. Cause then also, cause he wasn't giving the money to his dad. So he had paid all anyway too. I don't, I don't get it at all. <laughs> um, so maybe if I read far enough in the book, I'll figure it out. Yeah, once you start catching them, when you can. Um, so Frank then left home at sixteen before his mom could send him to a school for wayward boys. We're back in time here. <laughs> I also love. I mean, I guess like there's like boarding schools now, but I love parents like I can't handle you. You're a wayward boy. Go with the wayward boys. Like <laughs> a wayward boy. I know. You don't hear people like use that term anymore. And maybe we should bring it back. I mean, it does have it is like uh, like, oh, WW is not for Weight Watchers anymore, people. We're talking the Weight Watchers. I know. Boys. I feel like also the idea of like a boarding school as punishment. I know some boarding schools are bad, but some of them are just like summer camp. I know. But with even more drugs. Like, <laughs> I look, like, literally, when I read Kat Marnell's book, I was like, oh, wait, what? This is boring. I, I honestly wished I could have gone to boarding school because I loved summer camp. Oh my God. Like, I went for like 10 years. Wow. I just, the only time sleepaway camp I ever did was a lacrosse camp, which was not for me. Um, you did lacrosse camp? I played lacrosse until eighth grade. Not, not well, but. I, oh my God. Was, wow. Was, I learned so much about you <laughs> on this pod. I had the flow, <laughs> but the flow doesn't work when you're just like, a chubby acne eighth grader, but I was like, it, it went under the helmet, so that worked. Um, shout out to all the lax players listening. <laughs> and I don't mean LAX. Um, so he faked his ID to seem a little older and lied on his resume. I'm allowing that. Mm-hmm. I'm allowing both of that because that's a classic scam. And didn't, I don't know if it was, if it's folklore or not, but didn't Mila Kunis like lie to on that 70s show to say she was older? I read that too. Like she stepped. I mean, yeah. like who amongst us has not had a fake ID? Exactly. Like we all got like strawberry culotta svedka when we were 18. <laughs> oh God. Calm down the charade. Um, <laughs> but he still wasn't making ends meet after all of this lying on the resume and everything like that. So he just started to start writing bad checks. Right. As you do. Oh, when nothing goes right, go check. Yeah. Obviously, there is a time limit on that because you can only overdraw so much before the bank comes after you. So he was just kind of like, okay, what, what's what's my next plan? What's my next plan? Oh, I'm just going to disappear and come up with a new identity. Boom. Yeah, casual. Perfect. Casual. That's like how I, I feel like so many missing persons cases, people are like, oh, but what if they just disappeared and started a new identity? It's like, that's really hard to do. It's stretching it a lot. And bit. keep up. Mm-hmm. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, 
Good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, we're going to start off with the pilot years because I think this is like what's everybody knows the most about and I think was a big part of like catch me if you can so Frank claims that this is what I also don't understand so I think he he was still doing the check uh forging scheme just like in different banks so and he would like move to like different areas and I guess open up bank accounts there so he realized he could have a better luck at the banks if he had a respected profession so he decided to pose as a pilot. Very respected. People love a pilot. We we do love a pilot still to this day. <laughs> so he got a pilot's uniform by calling Pan Am, which was like, I I mean, why am I a fucking millennial explaining Pan Am? <laughs> but I feel like, I don't know. It was an iconic airline yeah, back in the real day. Real ones also uh, watched that show that lasted one season that I loved exactly. so much. Yeah. Apparently it was a good show, but they canceled it. Uh, anyway, so we called Pan Am and said he lost his uniform. So then he went to, like, pick it up. I guess they had places you pick it up. And then he charged it to his fake employee ID, which he made basically, I don't know, just, like, cutting out a picture with, like, an X-Acto knife and some plastic. Like, I don't know. He really did a DIY fake pilot ID. I am and it obsessed with that, yes. Same. It worked well enough. And he also faked an FAA license. And he claimed he did this and was able to fly to 82 countries and 3 million miles for free. Shoot. And that's because at that at that time, and this might still be true. I don't really know if if you have flight attendants, you know, let us know. Um, but they would kind of have a program where if there was like an empty seat or something, like a pilot from a different airline could come and like sit in the jump seat, basically. Ah, oh, because oh, I was gonna say because I know because my friends who's like parents or flight attendants, they get like the pick seat, like they have like a seat mm-hmm. that they could give people. But I didn't know if you the yes. pilot could just have a jump seat. Yeah, I don't know. My friend, I had friends who were flight attendants and they could too do that like friends and family standby yeah. situation. Yeah, oh yeah, um, that was the standby situation, yeah. I didn't know it worked for like other airlines, yeah. but it did back then at least. Um, and he he also claimed this is one of his big stories too, is that he took a group of eight women across Europe, random women, uh, college college students, by pretending they were stewardesses and just like flying them all around Europe and gallivanting. Hmm. And this was because they're, Pan Am in the late 60s did a program where they like recruited college uh, students, like a very small amount. And it was kind of this like training program, almost like Disney um, for like a very short period of time. So that did exist. Um, So just also like a quick primer on the other the other scams so that when we get back to it, you won't be confused. He also said he posed as a doctor in Marietta, Georgia, a lawyer in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 
uh, where he said he tried 33 cases and passed the bar on the third try and also was a sociology professor at Brigham Young University, which is just a random pick. He 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 covered all like the the Barbie dream jobs, or I guess Ken dream jobs <laughs> back then because Facts. Barbie wasn't allowed to have jobs back then, but now she has with Greta Gerwig. Facts. So that's kind of his claim. So here's what actually happened. Uh, first, the pilot stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as taking those eight college girls across Europe, in reality, he did actually try to recruit women from the University of Arizona, but got shut down, like, literally immediately. No um, way. Yeah, he said he interviewed 70 uh, girls for the position, but he really talked to, like, 12, and that was because at this point the FBI was aware of him and they, like, shut that shit down real quick. And that's basically because, like, his whole thing, and if you – and, like, I, I feel like I have to apologize for not, like, going through all his wild claims and then debunking them, but it's very confusing because there are a lot. But I There's think so if many. you – have seen the movie, like, you know the gist, but he kind of, po- he fashions himself to be this, like, world, like, this jet-setting Casanova who Ooh. was, like, fooling the FBI at every term, turn, and he claims to be, like, writing these bad checks the whole way through and claims that he eventually cashed $2.5 million worth of, like, forged checks. Mm-hmm. Um in reality, what he would do is he would kind of like go from city to city, like cash a few thousand dollars in bad checks, and then get found out found out immediately, and then get run out of town. Yeah, it's almost like because in the movie, they're like, how is he getting away with all this? And it's like, oh no, he never was. <laughs> mm. He never was. He was. He never was. And that's like that's a real scam. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why we're covering it because it is truly a scam within a scam. So what actually happened as a pilot, he met Paula Parks, who was then a flight attendant for Delta when Abignell was posing as a TWA pilot. And what's really wild is that the movie portrays Abignell as this, like, suave ladies' man. I mean, Leo DiCaprio played him. Like, we all know how it goes. Oh, but yes. In, this, in the book that I read, Paula says that um, Ab, the, the flight Abignell took with her on Delta, like, <laughs> this is so funny. She said, like, first of all, he was kind of like just a regular guy. And actually the book like makes pains to point out multiple times that he was kind of like this average dude. But also everybody noticed how bad this guy smelled. Oh. And she called it like a she, – she likened his scent to that of a wild animal. Oof. And her dad had later said that it just smelled like he had fear on him. Which I don't know what that smells like. Or like maybe it's like like stress, pheromones or something. Or also maybe just a dramatic thing that someone would say. Right, it's true. But that's because when he had done this flight, he had just gotten out of of prison. Um, And she also said that like he was not this Casanova. He kept trying to ask her out and she kept trying to curve him. And eventually she gave him her number because she felt bad, which, like, let this be a lesson to you ladies. I mean, I've done it countless times, but just it's not try not that. to do it. Just try do not a to, fake yeah. number. Yeah. Or get, There's or just that, like, like, rejection hotline, I think. I see it on Instagram memes that you can just give out instead. That's so funny. I was going to just say, get the number for your local insomnia cookies or something and give it to them. Like, oh, my God. That's genius. Right? Um. 
so then it actually takes a dark turn, like the reality of the situation, because she says that Frank kind of stalked her. And he, after like they first met, he waited in the New Orleans airport when she landed because she told him that she lived there. And then he did the same thing in D.C. when he found out that she had a flight landing there. And then he was able to, because he was posing as a pilot, was able to call up Delta and get her work schedule. So he would just, like, be showing up in these airports. Um, And then eventually he drove her from New Orleans to Baton Rouge, where her parents lived, in a stolen convertible. And he met her parents and told them he had a social work degree from NYU. Oh, no, sorry. I don't know why I wrote that. It was from Cornell is what he said. Oh, so they okay. were like impressed. They were impressed, but they were also like, they're like an Ivy League man. But why are you a pilot? And Because like if you have a social work degree, where did you get the time? Like that social work and piloting are d- d- two different departments. <laughs> right. They were just like, well, why aren't you trying to just advance your pilot degree and he was just kind of like well I, he wanted to like play up the like working with kids charity angle to kind of get their sympathy mm-hmm. so paula like finally broke up with frank but then he went later he went to her parents and asked to stay with them for like a night because he claimed he was furloughed and now we're turning into like a reddit post because that stay turned into six weeks. Ooh. Yes. And he even started dating Paula's cousin. No, not the cousin. Oh, my not gosh. The cousin. But the family, like, lo- the family loved him. That was a thing. Like, they were like, Paula, we don't understand why you're not dating this guy. He's a catch. And she, the whole time, was like, something's off about him. Like, something's off. Like, please just, you know, be careful around him. But they she, were just she, like, we love him. And she's probably like, you're jealous that he likes my, me, your cousin, more. <laughs> <laughs> but he was, like, truly the fucking worst because when their backs were turned, this family who was, like, putting him up and, like, cooking him dinner and everything, they went. he went through their checkbooks and stole, like, $1,200. Like, he would steal, like, $1,000 here, like, a couple hundred dollars there, Ugh. which is just so fucking scummy. From people who are, like, very kind and, like, Basically, the family never, or like a family, like a new Pretty family to have, yeah. And when he was caught, he apparently wrote to the family. He said, There are no words to express how ashamed and sorry I am. You people have shown me more love in six weeks than I've ever seen in my lifetime. Even though I will go to prison, every cent I owe you will be repaid. But spoiler alert, <laughs> he never paid it. <laughs> and I think true at this form. time, like, yeah, true to form. I think around this time, like, the authorities in Louisiana caught up with him too and like he got in trouble. And then also the pilot thing, just one other of his grandiose tales. He tells he tells one story and he told this like multiple times about how he came up with a scheme at the Boston Logan Airport where I guess there were like night deposit boxes where you could like deposit money and he I guess put a sign on one of them that it was broken and would direct people to this other one to hand the money to the security guard, but he was the security guard. Oh, okay, okay, okay. There's okay. That 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 that's that's a bold move. It's a bold move. And then he tells the story about like the Massachusetts state troopers catching on to him, and they're like in pursuit of him, and he's trying to like load this deposit box out the airport, and it's like really heavy. And he manages to convince the state troopers to actually help him load the money out to his station wagon. 
But a, and that was like a pretty big story that people like loved. But a journalist at the San Francisco Chronicle smelled bullshit and it turned out like the entire story was fake. Even the name of the Sir. bank that he supposedly stole from, which is just like, I think the craziest part about this is that the real con <laughs> was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> no, but the real con is like that that he conned everybody into believing all this stuff. Yes. And it only took some basic fact checking. And we'll get into like why. First of all, we'll get into how big these stories went, but we'll get into why nobody, I feel to this day, really knows that we have all been conned. Yes. We, 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 this is justice for all of us, yeah. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Well, then the devil went down to Georgia to meet some friends of mine. As they say, uh, the Georgia Griffs era is really kicking off here. He, uh, then, you know, when you're kind of like, okay, piloting or fake piloting is not really going soups well for Moa. Let me pose as a doctor in uh, Marietta, Georgia, because like Sarah was saying earlier, he was a doctor, a lawyer, I mean, fictionally, all of these (laughs) things. (laughs) A doctor, a lawyer, a pilot. That sounds like the beginning of a joke. Yeah, get you a man who can do it all. Um, (laughs) And he was even invited to tour the local hospital. And eventually, they gave him a job. Right. It's kind of giving me Love Doctor, the Florida, the guy in Florida. I was thinking that. Dr. Love. Dr. Love. Oh, he just loves love. Uh, (laughs) He would, and and fake uh, medical cures. Uh, he would later claim on the TV show, to tell the truth, that he was the chief resident of the hospital for a year. He specifically mentioned Cobb County General Hospital in Marietta. Uh, however, Cobb County General Hospital didn't even have residents at the time. Also, like, as like a, a family member who's a doctor, you don't just, like, join in and you're like, oh, you're chief resident. Like, that's a... There's like a there's, a, there's a thing right, to that, like, a process. Yeah, you don't just like walk up to the hospital and they're like, sure. Yeah. Sight unseen, we'll take you. I know there is now a, a shortage of medical professionals, but I still don't think it's I, that dire. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's like uh, anybody walking by, hey, you want to be chief? Oh my God. Put me in, coach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, in fact, the only time Frank did live in Marietta was when he was briefly at Cobb County Jail awaiting federal trial. Little different than being a chief. <laughs> big, 
Yes, but they were probably like, all right, chief, get in the cell. And he was like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> I'm going to run with this. Okay, here we go. Yeah, we literally. <laughs> uh, in November 1970, Abby Dolly was then 21 and was picked up in Cobb County, Georgia after crashing or after cashing 10 fake checks being totaled to like a little under 1500 like 1448 uh dollars and 60 cents the wildest thing to me is like i know these were like bigger sums of money back then but he wasn't like he was kind of just cashing enough to like make ends meet and like impress people a little yeah. bit but he wasn't Really, this you're not balling out here on fifteen hundred dollars, no. especially if you have to do that in ten installments. Like you're doing a hundred bucks at a time, one hundred fifty bucks. I guess it's small enough so people maybe don't notice, but I, 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 it's I, such a weird like I don't know. It's just a weird price to pay price to pay for your freedom. It's yeah, it's almost kind of like a thing too, where someone's like, uh, like it's it's like he has like a punch card at a coffee place. He's like, hey, my next one's uh free. Do you know, that? So I, <laughs> I, I I bought ten coffees before this. Everyone's like, why are you talking to us? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's uh, funny. But Frank also said that he was the only man to ever successfully escape from the Atlanta Federal Penitentiary, which he did by impersonating a federal prison inspector and walking out. This is like, can we also say before we get into the uh, this, uh, he should have just, <laughs> this. he should have just like done acting. Cause he just likes to act as all these things. And I think he That's really, so true. it really, it was like the other, uh, the man who saw the Eiffel Tower twice. He was just running around town with his boas. I know they didn't really have boas, but he had a costume box. Guys, just get into the, 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 the business we call show. It's true. Unfortunately, like, I don't think he's that good looking because <laughs> okay literally the book was like just kept being like he was this average looking man and nothing special about him and i looked up pictures and i was like ah, you're right okay like, ah. maybe yeah. he'd he'd get some parts but i don't think i mean he's no leo dicaprio he really glowed up on that adaptation that was a nice yeah that that's it's hard not to thrive when uh you get leo as the casting mm-hmm. Oh, someone said he looked more like a. Well, this is now shading Tom Hanks. All right, I could I could kind of see the Tom Hanks resemblance ish. Yeah. I guess I guess Tom also would say like yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio is more attractive than me as a kid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay, so back to this whole Atlanta federal penitentiary. He was actually never in that jail. <laughs> so it is easy to. He probably was the only person to escape if you weren't in it. I, I also. I yeah, I escaped. <laughs> Um, right. That's like how my college, we've never had a football team because I think it's like written in our charter that we're not allowed. And we sell these shirts that say like undefeated since 1836. <laughs> Wait, I love that. So it's, oh my God. it's that. That's very funny. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, he wasn't the one in Marietta. He did manage to escape from this other, uh, um, the Marietta one, by walking out of the booking room while the deputies were processing paywork. So I don't know. I don't think they were really unguarding him. <laughs> he was caught within two days and pled guilty to an escape charge. So he's all talking nobody. Yeah. And like, also like we must emphasize like this was not the max security prison that no one has ever escaped from his life. It was just like local County jail. Yeah. And they, even the sheriff was like, yeah, whoops. <laughs> yeah, we I, did. We accidentally let him walk out. But I feel like it's so interesting because all of his, grandiose stories like a lot of them start from a nugget of truth except for the doctor thing mm, well that's the important thing that you have to, your your life should be based in a truth for anybody yeah. out there doing this that, one at least is based in a sort of truth 
It's like it's like before you email, like, oh my god, I need to call out sick. Like, I have a stomach ache. Cook yourself dinner and be like, I don't know. I'm bad at cooking. <laughs> what? Cook yourself dinner and don't cook it all the way. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> is that or, what you're saying? Or I was gonna say like, because then it's like, I I could be having a stomach ache. Time's gonna tell. Oh, I get you. I, I, get you. I don't. I, I feel don't. like if I know I'm gonna have to call out sick, you got to lay the groundwork like the day before and just be like. Yes. Be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm, I got to sign off a little early today. I got a yeah, migraine. You, and if you're in the office, you're like, oh, is it hot in here, guys? No? Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then you just, people are people would be like, please stay home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like we said, he really held down the fictional jobs. Some more ones add to the mix, like a general's officer in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, sociology professor, like we said at uh, BYU, and uh, all, all this stuff. Uh, so, again, we're What's actually funny? Oh, you go. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, what's actually funny was that about how he claimed to be a lawyer um, at the attorney general's office in Baton Rouge. He was actually in jail in Baton Rouge at that time. So okay. he um, was not trying for the attorney general. He was getting tried by him. <laughs> He's like, but you're we 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 see each other. I think we could each do our own thing. He was picturing himself <laughs> in his Um in 1974, at age 26, I mean, he really had he jumped right into all this. Um, he was arrested again for stealing photography equipment from a summer camp in Texas he was working at. He really bounced all over. Because yes, like Sarah that, said, that was, that was like his, his thing. thing. Yeah. He spent he actually spent like a lot of time in prison because he would just Cash some bad checks, get run out of town, go do somewhere else, get caught pretty quick, like rinse, repeat. Yeah, it's, it, it, it was a cycle. It was a cycle. And he says that over the years, he cashed 17,000 bad checks. He says totaling $2.5 million, but I guess like, I don't even know if we could get that. Uh, maybe. Maybe not. You can't. Spoiler. Yeah, you spoiler. can't. I'll get, we'll get into it. That's, I'm just trying to even do the math. I was like, 1,000 times 17,000 is not $2.5 million. Well, for not for like, you know, just for various amounts, but yeah. yeah. Um, he, so he settled that in Montpellier, France, and says the FBI was closing in on him and a girlfriend turned, uh, yeah, a girlfriend turned him in after seeing his face on a wanted poster. I like that she was like, Oh, not on my flat. No. <laughs> She's mm. British now. No, thank you. She's British. <laughs> and also, can I say, when I look at our uh, chart listings, we pop off in France. So I love you, France. Wait, actually? Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. That made me love very that. Sacre bleu. It made me very happy. So We're going to do like, a yeah. show in Paris. <laughs> can I say, we go and everyone's like, not this part of France. And we're like, oh, bonjour. Hi. <laughs> oh, I'd love. I want to go back to France. Um... Maybe I'll find his girlfriend to be like, so what happened? <laughs> Where'd you see the poster? Well, I don't even know if this woman existed. Like, you got to take mm, it with a grain of salt. That's true. That's also true. Uh, he also claimed that there was a... <laughs> I love the delusion. I, I, lo- I love the confidence he has. Uh, mm-hmm. That there was a special FBI task force dedicated to looking solely for him. Mm-hmm. Sure. He also says that he spent time in a French prison before the FBI paroled him so that he could go around <laughs> teaching banks how to avoid white-collar crime. Like he's doing a master class now 
Right. That's his whole, I mean, that's his whole claim to fame. It's like he turned it around. Kind of like how Jordan Belfort became a public speaker. That's actually very true. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he says he spent six months in this French prison, six months in Sweden, and four years in the U.S. However, on the show To Tell the Truth, he said he did one year in France, one in Sweden, and four in the U.S. after being sentenced to 72 years. So, was he telling the truth on To Tell the Truth? No. (laughs) (laughs) That was actually like a big game show at the time. It was basically just two truths and a lie. They would bring out three people and like, you know, two of them would tell these, they would all tell these fantastic tales, but one of them would be true and they would get celebrity guests to guess which one was true. And I don't know how Frank got on the show, but he did. And that kind of like skyrocketed him to fame a bit. Um, And we're going to talk about how he rose to fame when like none of the things he was claiming were true, almost none of them, Um, or at least they weren't as true as how he claimed them, if that makes sense. So, (laughs) yes, I mean, I don't know. So he like he did this time in jail. He was like maybe like late teens, early 20s, uh, was doing all these cashing check schemes. Um, And I think he just started kind of like working on his PR pitch, truly, because at uh, in 1977, he spoke at a Chamber of Commerce event in Dallas, and he was kind of based in Houston at this time, okay. uh, or like in Texas, um, by basically just repeating his stories of working as an airline pilot and a doctor and a lawyer, and he claimed he worked as a stockbroker and college professor, and he pitched this to them by saying that he was the subject of a planned motion picture that hmm. nobody fact-checked him on. Okay. I like how everyone's like, oh, cool. Right. They they booked him. I think the Chamber of Commerce just like needed a good speaker for the event. So they were like, all right, let's book this guy. He sounds interesting. Um, and this was his first semi-publicized gig because he got write-ups in the local press. Sure. And it was like, I know, it was a huge hit. Like people loved it. Then he got booked again by the Chamber of Commerce for another anti-crime lecture. Again, like a big hit. So he's he's starting to make the rounds. Um, and then this and 1977 was also the same year that he was on that show to tell the truth. Iconically. So people were like his his star was on the rise. Um, so. He uh, then started hitting the Chamber of Commerce circuit, which mm, I, apparently I did not. Yeah. The news to us. I know. And and would just like do these talks for you know, these local organizations. And even though journalists were a little bit skeptical at the time because they would write about his stories, but they would always be like, he says this, he claimed that, you know. Um, but they ultimately didn't dig so far into his past because he had a he had his wife that he would bring to like take pictures with and stuff. And they were like, oh, that must be real. And also he had a sincere look in his eye. AKA, he was a white man with confidence, I feel like. Yeah, he was like, oh no, he guys, he's a heart of gold. Heart of gold. Yeah. And then I feel like it just became a sort of pyramid scheme because he would he would keep getting press coverage like in advance of these events and also afterwards. And then the more coverage he got, it just kind of like legitimized his backstory mm-hmm. and just like on and on and on. Oh, and then soon his story was getting picked up outside of Texas. And in June of 1977, he hit it pretty big. He was on the cover and got a five-page spread in the Houston Chronicle, 
which at that time had one of the largest national mm-hmm. circulations. So it starts making its way out of Texas. And then from there, he went on to the Today Show, shouts out with Tom Brokaw, who interviewed him. He did the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson Insane. a number of times. Yeah. yeah, like he was hitting it big. And then he wrote this book, Catch Me If You Can, that came out in 1980, which turned into the 2002 movie where Leo DiCaprio played him. We've all seen him. It's a mm-hmm. good movie. It is good. Um, This is what Biography.com says about him. Abignell worked with the FBI for more than 30 years as one of the world's foremost experts on document fraud, check swindling, forgery, and embezzlement. Forgery. Um, That's what he says. He also wrote two books about fraud prevention and has done like countless speaking gigs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, in 1976, he founded a fraud prevention firm oh called Abignell and Associates. He claimed he consulted with Neiman Marcus and saved them $3 million in losses. But like, in fact, he'd only had a, a group talk with like 12 employees and talk to them about bad checks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't really know about that FBI claim either. No. And then as far as the two and a half million dollars in bad checks that he supposedly cashed, what's interesting is like, number one, he claims he on the one hand, like claims to have been using this money to live this like high flying lifestyle. But then on the other hand, he claims to have paid it all back. And like you can't those, both. both of the and he kind of and he says like, oh, but, you know, I the two million I never uh, I never even spent. And then the half a million I paid back. But then he also says, well, he was driving around in like Porsches and doing whatever. Yeah. So both of those things can't really be true. He's trying to be like heart of gold guy, but also like their loss. Right. And he also claims like, especially in his book, he was like, well, I, I only I made a point to only scam the banks and the big companies and people who wouldn't like miss the money. And that is just patently not true. Like yeah. he scammed that woman, Paula, and her family. Yes. And, like just scam people. <clears throat> and he also says that he cashed these checks between the ages of 16 and 21, which is just impossible because he was in prison for most of that time. He was actually only out of prison for a total of 14 months. And he would have had to cash 40 checks a day in order to <laughs> be able to cash that much money. And the math is just not adding up. And also, like, they didn't even have they didn't even have mobile check deposit back then. Like, can you imagine going to the bank with 40 checks a day? Having to be like, hi, hi again. Yeah, oh, same old table. Like, no, they would just be also like, what are you doing? Yeah, I just it just would not work. So that that's a real scam. I feel like that's a real scam of Frank Abagnale. Is that it's all a scam? We all got scammed. We all like the movie. You're like, oh, this is a great screenplay because it was like fiction. Mm-hmm. Or it was mm-hmm. it was it was screenwriting and by him, and it is because the, of- the book too. Like in the beginning of his book, he like puts that thing that a lot of books do. That's like you know the certain names and locations and whatever have yeah. been changed. But also, he promoted his book as a memoir, so it's like. What is the truth? <laughs> yeah, like, like, yeah. What, 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 what are we all doing here? And like Sarah was uh, questioning at the beginning, why did no one ever call him out or be like, hey, 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 hey? Well, they did, <clears throat> but just not loud enough, or not Leonardo DiCaprio enough. <laughs> <laughs> Back in 1978, Stephen Hall at the San Francisco Chronicle questioned the story, as did Ira Perry at the Daily Oklahoman, or the Oklahoman. 
the daily newspaper in Oklahoma. Uh, but these theories <laughs> that the story was exaggerated did not get far since there was, you know, no Reddit threads, no, like, tweets of being like, but this is, yeah, or anything like that. It's crazy, because he would, like, these exposés would make a big splash in the local market, and both of those times he would cancel events that he had, Damn. like, in Oklahoma and San Francisco, oh. but because there was, like, Basically, unless something got picked up by, like, a national wire, mm-hmm. there was no, like, or syndicated, there was just no way that somebody outside of that local market was going to read it. hmm exactly. Um, Texas law professor William Tony actually got his students to investigate Frank. Then he presented all these findings at a talk in 1982 called Catching a Con Man, and no one cared. Like, it didn't, I don't. I'm like, yeah. what a cool professor, though. Um, I know. He was like, uh, and for your project, you're going to l- use your talents and investigate this one guy. I sort of love that. Um, Frank threatened to sue for libel and slander. Uh, Tony sued uh, Frank for damages, and they all settled in 1985. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he did some other scams, too. A woman named Nelda McQuarrie said she invested, oh, girl. $20,000 with him, which no. turned out to be a real estate scam. No, Nelda. No. Uh, he was also sued by his former manager, Mark Zinder, for a breach of contract and lost commission for speeches Frank was supposed to give and then did in. Kind of like to Sarah's point that when he would start to get called out a little bit, he was like, <clears throat> I can't really speak. I, I don't think I can do the speech tonight. <laughs> Uh, Zinder says he's still owed $15,000. Baby, you're not going to get that back. Um, nope. And funny enough, he he was the one, Mark Zinder, who wrote the foreword to the greatest hoax on earth book about Frank. Yes, that I read some of. But it's a good book. I do recommend it. It's written very, like, very well. It's very engaging. Oh, I like that. Now Frank basically doesn't like, which is fair, when people bring up his past cons. Even no, it's like, not fair. Well, that's true because that's his entire thing. <laughs> It's not fair. You don't get to make up a story and build up a public persona and they get mad. That's true. When people bring up your story that you made up. That's true. <laughs> You're like, sir, we just have questions. Yeah. We have questions. And um, kind of like Sarah was saying, this, uh, this really uh, was invigorated and inspired by us <clears throat> after the New York Post, an article about his lies last month. And he told reporter Abby Ellen, the crime I committed was writing bad checks. I was 16 years old at the time. I served five years in prison totals in Europe and the U.S. federal prison system. In 1974, after serving four years in federal prison, the government took me out. You know how they do this so much. The government took me out of prison to work for the FBI. I have done so now for more than 43 years. Even that is not true. At the time, because he was posting on a fake TWA pilot, uh, he was at least 21. So even his defense of the defensing is a lie. Well, exactly, because he likes to be like, oh, I was just a kid. like, bleh. And it's I'm like, no, first kid. of all, I mean, you were at least a young adult. Mm-hmm. And and that's what really is, like, ridiculous, too, because, yeah, he just wants to be like, oh, I was just a kid when I did all these things. And it's like, no, you weren't, sir. No, not at all. So that's that. The real scam is that. The narrative that everybody believes is that he did these things. Yeah. And I want to know, you know what I want to know? What does Leo think about all this? I don't know. 
Isn't that crazy? You know what? I kind of feel like he doesn't care. He's like, the movie I did, I'm, he's like, okay. Wait, he's like, he's like, he's like, the way the movie I did 21 years ago. Can you get me a list no. of who was born that year? <laughs> Has it been that long? <laughs> 2002. He's like, I have dinner at Nobu, right? 21 years ago. Yeah, I'm sure he does not care. But he did spend time with Frank while, like, you know, researching for the role. Okay. All right. Well, I wonder what he, I wonder what he uncovered or if he was scammed or fake scammed at all. I think he was scammed just that he believed him. Ah, a fool. A fool in love with the chance to win an Oscar. I mean, we <laughs> all got fooled. That's the craziest thing. Like, I had we no did. idea this about this until I saw this article, I think on Reddit. And I was like, wait, what? And then and I was like, oh, it makes sense. In our defense, I wasn't thinking that much about him since I saw the film maybe 20 so years true. ago. So I, I, I haven't been like looking for the, the holes to crack in the foundation, but I'm That's glad so true. we are illuminating all of you right now. Yeah. So if it if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And I mean, speaking of things too good to be true, (laughs) one of us is going to be the winner of this week's trivia, and I'm excited to find out who. Okay. Uh, I love this story. It's like, it's, uh, (laughs) I I watched this movie a ton when I was a kid. Um, I loved it. (laughs) And the fact that it was all a con with a con, a conception, it is mind-blowing. Conception. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that. Um, so before we get into today's game, I have a little bit of an announcement. So here at Betches, we are shifting things around a little bit. And it is with a heavy, heavy heart. that I must announce that I will be moving on from this amazing podcast. No! Why are you telling us so oh, no. sorry to say. Not live <laughs> on the air. No. Why are you doing uh, that? This is the only way to do it. Come on. Oh, okay. what? <laughs> the girlies are going to be yeah. despondent. Uh, everyone is, no, we've lost every subscriber. No. It'll be all good. Uh, we hired a new producer. Her name is Rebecca. She's going to be amazing. I can't wait for you guys to meet her. Um, and I will be helping her with the games. So it'll be like, I'm still here. Um, and I'll come back every once in a while. You know, this isn't a goodbye. It's a, and I'll see you later. Every Aww. once in a while. <laughs> okay. Is this your last game? Uh, probably. No! We'll see. We'll see. Oh my God. <laughs> we'll see how things shake <sighs> out. But yeah, we're, we're sort of, um, there's a lot of exciting things happening at Betches. If you guys are a fan. What's the exciting? Um, What's happening? Keep an eye out what, what, for what announcements. What are these exciting things that are ruining me and Sarah's lives? I, I, I can't. I can't wait to th- see so this sad. announcement. I'm not excited. No, I'm not either. <laughs> uh, you guys will be just fine. Rebecca's great. She's oh, this come is out no with amazing games. No disrespect to Rebecca. Already love her. No, we do. But... <laughs> Girl. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the announcement. Oh but let's God. get into today's game. Ugh. Let's let's end the the, okay. the games in a high. We're going to do something a little different in honor of Frank Abagnale Jr. We're going to play a game called Con Me If You Can. So this is basically going to be a two truths and a lie. Um, But after you tell your statements, you will get 60 seconds on the clock and the other person will interrogate you on your statements to see if they can get to the bottom of it. Danny, you will go first. What do you got? Okay. In honor of, these are all 
in regards to my LA trip. Nice. One, I got a free upgrade on my flight home. Mm. Two, I walked 10,000 steps in LA. And three, <laughs> even though I landed at 4 a.m., I made lunch yesterday. Lunch? All right. Yeah. 60 oh, seconds yesterday. on the clock, Sarah. You get, okay. you get 60 seconds to interrogate. 10,000 steps, was that in one day? Yeah. Okay, in one day. Um, what airline did you fly? United. And you landed into Newark? Okay. Um, okay, was your flight delayed? No. No. Okay. Actually landed early and took off early. Interesting. I feel like that's not real. Um, no, I was actually confused that too. Where did you stay while you were in LA? A, like a little east of WeHo, but kind of WeHo. Okay. And did you mean 10,000 steps every day or just one day while you were there? Just a day. Just Because I was only there for a day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> facts. Okay. This is hard. Okay. All right. That is time, Sarah. What do you think? Okay. Um, to recap, he the statements are he was upgraded on a, on the flight back. He walked ten thousand steps in one day, <laughs> which the regular person does. Danny. Um, uh, and the last one was that even though he landed at four a.m., he still made lunch the following day. Okay, here's my thought process because I'm torn between the ten thousand steps in L.A. because I feel that's patently impossible in that city, <laughs> but also. The 4 a.m. thing is tripping me up because let me tell you, I looked at every single possible return flight that lands in the New York area and none of them land at 4 a.m. They're either like 3 a.m. or like 6 a.m. And so that might be. Did you fly into Newark? No. I, flew, I was looking. I oh. mean, but I was looking at Newark, JFK. I oh. almost booked a flight into Newark and then was like, don't do that to yourself. True just because I live so far from Newark. So yeah, I didn't see any that were set to leave. I should have asked you if there was a connecting flight. So yeah, so unless there was a connecting <laughs> flight, I didn't see any red eyes that landed at 4 a.m. But I'm going to go with my gut. I don't think 10,000 steps a day is possible in L.A. Okay, Danny, which one was the lie? That I got a free upgrade on my flight. Oh, oh crushing. I didn't think about that one. Mm-hmm. Because... <laughs> I, I did move up a, a few seats. I paid for it. Nice. <laughs> not okay. to first. Not to first. It was just $100 more. For to have like a lot economy of, plus. Economy plus. $100? Whoa. For a red eye, I was like, I can't be squid. I can't. No, I don't want to have you. A, an airline threesome with people's like foot <laughs> in my face on a red eye. And also no, it was supposed real. to land at five. That's what I wanted to stop me. It was supposed to land at 520. We landed that early. I don't know how. Wow. That's crazy. Now we're early. It That's took crazy. off early though. I, they, I feel like red eyes. They are just like, can we get the fuck on? Like they, like <laughs> no, like everybody's yeah. here. Great. Get. I, I don't even know if everyone's here. They were like, all right, door, cabin doors are closed. I was like, oh, should I pick up my bag that was under me? She's like, just hold it. I don't know. Like we're get it. <laughs> it that was is so the best funny. flying experience of my life. But I know the ten thousand steps was hard because nobody walks in LA. Besides, if you go to canyons. Well, uh, Sarah, you were unfortunately unsuccessful, but let's see if Danny can catch you out on your con. What are your statements? Okay. My first one is that I met Sandoval and Ariana at Coachella. Second one is I met Taylor Lautner on Raya. Not met him, but 
you oh. know, came across him. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, now you're giving and Frank Jr. I met Taylor Lautner. I came across him. Now I'm giving, yes, I know, the, the nugget of truth. And then the third one is that I tried out for The Circle. Oh. All right, 60 seconds on the clock. Danny, interrogate away. I'm pretty sure I knew, I'm pretty sure you did tell me that you did try out for The Circle. What year was it that you were on Raya with Taylor Lautner? Let's see. I've been dating Ryan for two years. So it, oh gosh, I I was on, I got on Raya like right after we met Rachel Williams. Cause oh. she sent me her, what's she it called? Say, so that like was her 2019. referral code. So yes, 2019 was when I saw him. Okay. I, well, I'm going to ask you, for, um, what was, uh, what, what, what was Tom and Ariana doing at Coachella? They were at Coachella. Like, what'd you say to them? What'd you say to them? Oh, just like, hi, you know. (laughs) Hi, you know. Did you swipe right on Taylor Lautner? Is that how Raya works? I did just to see what would happen. And what was his song? Because Raya has songs, right? Oh, God, I don't remember. That is time. That is 60 seconds. (laughs) So here's here's my thing. I know, I think if it is the circle, I really screwed myself because I really, really do think that you did tell me you applied for that or you were just interested in that. I think the whole thing is that. Um, Ariana wasn't at Coachella this the, the oh, I guess this was a few years ago not that one but what I do know for a fact is that Taylor Lautner was in a relationship with his now wife in the year 2018-2019 so I really hope you did not see him on Raya or if so we got bigger fish to fry so I'm going with that because I'm supporting the other Taylor he's now married to and has a child with Sarah so please answer that is right. Wow. Oh, you got it. I just chose a random celeb and like <laughs> that was good. <laughs> well done. Good sleuthing there, Danny. Yeah, nicely done. <laughs> nicely done. Have you run into any other celebrities on Raya? Okay, Sarah? that the biggest lie is that I I was on Raya for like a few months, but the biggest lie is that you'll run into any celebrities on there because all I saw were like unnamed DJs and uh <laughs> Guys who are CEO of companies you've never heard of, and then I'll their own so companies. Like, whatever. <laughs> exactly. So, so that's the biggest scam. <laughs> so you run into celebrities, people who think they're celebrities in their own mind. I mean, and me. So I can't even hate because, like, who am I? Well, who there are some I? celebrities because I know that for a fact. Because yesterday we had Rebel Wilson on the You Up podcast. What? So check out that episode it's coming out next, uh, or it, it would have already come out by now. And she said that she she swiped on Raya for a bit. So there are wow. some celebrities on it. I guess I just had to have been in LA because like- Or I'll, I was right. going to say Australia. Oh, yeah, or <laughs> Let me just fly over there real quick. <laughs> well, Danny, you are the winner of Con Me If You Can. Oh. Well done. You finally broke Sarah's streak. I know. Sarah was, Sarah was hot and heavy. And I think I may, it might be that we alternate months. <laughs> That's true. I'm also not a good liar, so it's fine. <laughs> and I, I, I think I only know all that about, because Taylor Lautner, they recently had a kid, so I was reading like a relationship timeline of their life. I love that. Why, I don't oh, know. But. Thwarted by Us Weekly again. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Literally. Oh, but I mean, this was a great pick, especially for a jet-lagged, uh, vibe, Sarah. Yes. Um, I you. think, well, I'm going to go log off and cry because Jorge is leaving us. <laughs> no. um, and what I do want everybody to do is write your reactions of that and your thoughts. And I think you want us to tell Jorge in the Facebook group, not in the Drew Crime group. And we will DM, screenshot them and text them to him because we want we wanted to know the love. We wanted to know the love. 
Yes. Appreciate oh. that. Mm. This has been so fun. And like I said, I'll be around. And I'm sure I'll come and play some games with you, you at some um, point. Yes. Not, not I'm sure you are demanded to. I like that you're saying, oh, if I have time. No, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're subpoenaing you to <laughs> play the games. I'll comply. I'll comply. Yes. Uh, well, well, ending this episode on a bittersweet note. No. But we'll be back as always next week. So stay tuned for that. You follow me on Instagram at Sarah Lemieux and also TikTok. I'm there. Oh, oh, newly. Okay, newly. I was like, I was like, I thought you. Do- okay, yes. Okay, and you can follow I me know, on all story. those at Casper Danny Casper with a K. And we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. Not Another True Crime Podcast is produced by Jorge Morales Pico and Sean Kilby. Our hosts are Sarah Levine and Danny Murphy. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at NATC Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to NATC at Betches.com. Betches.